Hi, I'm Sage. I'm here with Adam, and this time, another question. How do you deal with death in a role-playing game? Yes, character death in particular, character not player death. death. Particular. Uh, if uh, yes. Player death, go talk to a counselor. Yes, we, we cannot help you with real people dying. That no, is not a good unfortunate. time. And on that downer note... <laughs> yeah, but character death, woo! Uh, uh, character death Character death is a good time. Uh, it's really hard. So, so first, we have to lay some ground rules. There have to be characters... Yes. Uh, for, for for character death, so so any games that don't have characters, uh, we don't care about. Um, uh, also, I'm really not interested in talking about this as f- with characters that are not controlled solely by one player. Mm-hmm. Um, characters that are generally shared, most of the time, it's relatively straightforward to deal with kind of a character death in that situation because people will agree this is the end of this person's story. We're going to bring it to a close or, or whatever. But if it's one person and this is the one avatar they're controlling in this game, things get interesting. Yeah. The, the place that I, so I actually get asked this question a lot at, uh, like every time I go to PAX for a panel on jamming, somebody asks, how do you deal with character death? Um, so I, first of all, I'm very prepared. Uh, yes. But it also, I think it always comes up in the um, kind of genre of long-running campaign-ish. Uh, yeah. If you're playing a one-shot, you probably aren't going to have to deal with character death. Yeah. And unless it's Call of Cthulhu. It, unless it's Call of Cthulhu or Dungeon Crawl Classics. Um, and it, it tends to come up in the the classic genre, basically. Like, you're playing something that descended from D&D and has more or less the group of important characters for some value of important, like right. important to us, who we are going to follow indefinitely. Um, and in that situation, when a character dies, what do you do? Right. Um, so I, I've got three answers kind of picked from some of my favorite games, uh, which are mostly reapplicable to other games with a little bit of tinkering and stuff. Yeah, similar. I think we're going to try and hold on to, let's, let's talk about a, a small number of things that are very specific bullet points. Yeah, that- the, Works better in this format. Exactly. The first time we tackled a how-do-you kind of question, we rambled a little bit. So I'm going to try and hit specific things from specific games, keep us on topic. Sounds good. So my first one, uh, the way you deal with character death is uh, by not having it. Um, Or by having it only with pretty clear player permission. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so this is an approach that's used by various games to kind of various degrees. Uh, fate basically says flat out, um, even if a situation happens that could kill a character, you probably shouldn't do it unless the, the player is on board with it. Um, Dogs in the Vineyard does something similar too. Like you're the person deciding to up the stakes. mm -hmm. Uh, and then there's kind of implied or, um, systematically hard to kill characters like in in fourth edition D D, you have to be pushing the challenge ratings and the consequences of fights pretty far before you have the, the anybody dying in a fight yeah but that's one of the things that people like the least about D D four right exactly uh and then in burning wheel uh as long as you have a persona point you yeah, get you to can... at least fight for life which most of the time seems to work out. I guess I haven't run the probabilities, but I, I feel like most of the time if you have a persona point, you're probably not going to die. Probably. Um, so these are all games that basically say the way to deal with character death is by saying it's only going to happen if you're okay with it. Uh, and it's a choice. Um, it's a choice that you can make if you're done with the character. Uh, I think I saw an Apocalypse World-based game, and I forget which one this is, uh, that 
had an advancement that was like your character dies. Um, Just straight up. Yeah, and that's how they... I think this was actually one of the versions of Apocalypse World Dark Ages at one point. Um, Like, one of your character advancements was just like, your character dies and leaves play. Uh, Which is funny, because that can happen anyway, so I don't don't quite know what he was going for there. But uh, the idea is that... You can decide on your own terms to go. Uh, And I think the the thing with 4th edition, you're right, this doesn't always work for games. Um, The reason that it doesn't work in 4th edition, uh, or, sorry, the way to make it work in 4th edition, I've always thought, is to treat 4th edition like uh, Mass Effect, basically. You you have these big set-piece battles where the outcome is not your character dies, because in Mass Effect that basically rewinds time and you just redo the battle. Mm-hmm. Uh, the outcomes are maybe that, you know, different... The bad guy gets away, and so they're going to have more troops the next thing or whatever. Like, There's all these spiraling outcomes that can come from your fight, but fundamentally the risk of the fight is not, are you going to die? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a little harder to do that without the video game reload kind of mechanism, but you, you can basically do that um, through giving the players some safety net. Sure. Um, and it, it it works a lot better in Burning Wheel in part because... Keeping your character alive comes with such pain and consequences. Uh, this is why I think people don't like it in 4th edition, because you feel like, oh, we lost, and that should mean something. Right. But the game doesn't give you a whole lot of ways to do that. Whereas Burning Wheel, yes, you technically aren't going to die, yeah. but you're going to have a rough time. Yeah, making it... Uh, so that's my that's my number three, is is focusing on it and making it making it a deal. Like, mm. I don't think... So you're, so you're playing AD&D, and somebody runs into random pit trap and dies. Well, I mean, it happens, right? And that's, that's how things go. And I mean, there's two ways to deal with that. You can just be like, oh, sucks to be you, go roll up a character, let's keep going. Or you can stop and be like, that was hilarious. Let's talk about how that happened, or, you know, let's take a break while the character gets rolled up, or let's talk about how we might introduce you later on in the dungeon with a new person, or, like, stopping and making that into something happened, and not just, well, too bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I think games that have, uh, like Dungeon World has a last breath move, allows you to stop and say, something just happened, let's talk about something that just happened. Um, because sure, this is generally like you want the player to have closure, mm-hmm. uh, and and if you just immediately drop and say, "Hey, you know, go roll another character. We're going to keep playing," there's no closure for them. Uh, it's it's kind of broken. So you, you think that part of the the problem with character death is well, assuming there is a problem, assuming that right. somebody's asking this question, right? Is that uh, it? It doesn't. Uh, give you an ending so much like a lot of the time it's just kind of like okay throw away that character sheet make a new one yeah i think in a lot of these games as players uh including the dm as a player people have an idea about okay this is where the plot's going this is where the story's going this is where you know we're gonna go here and then we're gonna go here and these are my goals and then stuff is gonna happen and when uh death happens it's almost never you know, this is when I was supposed to go type mm-hmm. of thing, right? Uh, and so, you know, the games that give you an option to say, well, you know, you can choose not to, uh, a lot of players pro- will probably choose not to if they can mm-hmm. in those scenarios anyways. But in a game where, we, well, you died, 
you know, suddenly you have to totally rejigger how you feel like the game's going to happen. Because suddenly this character that you were going to bring to level 20 and it was going to be amazing, well, that's not going to happen anymore. Well, and, uh, I feel like that's the, the fundamental reason that this has never been much of a problem for me because uh, w- without having the words that Apocalypse World uses for it, we've always done the kind of play to find out what happens. Like, you right. don't have the... Well, for most of the time that I've been playing, since I uh, met a few people that, that really showed me this genre of play, um, we didn't have the, like, this is how things are going to turn out. Uh, on the other hand, when I was in high school and I was first gaming, I had multi-campaign mega campaigns all planned out and I knew how they were all going to go and then yeah it's a big problem when people die yeah but even in a play to find out situation like if you can see something coming a long ways off mm-hmm. like you say there's going to be an epic battle between my crew and their crew and you die way before that happens like that sucks so so uh, you make it less sucky by by Building on that moment by mm-hmm. by spending some time there, so it feels less like a. Uh, a this was an accidental yeah. and too bad. Yeah, exactly. That's interesting. So that actually ties into my number two. Um, my number two is uh, to take death and use it as a gift. Like the a character dying is one of the most interesting things that can happen. It's a big change. It's a big change. Um, and I guess this is, like, I like your advice of uh, build on that moment. And this is kind of build on that in a bigger sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so when, you know, the you die to some random goblin, that goblin is now a legend among goblins. Sure. Like he, he just killed an, uh, one of the, the sun... Uh, oh, what are they? Take the Shadow of Mortar approach? Exactly. Like, you've now... Uh, he'll be more famous. You won't come back to life, probably. But you'll, he will be uh, a big deal. You don't quite have a nemesis, because you, you don't come back to life. But, yeah, but the, the party doesn't like The party that. now, that like that one goblin. Uh, right. And this is where portraying details of the setting makes a big difference. Right. Because when it's not just goblin number three, when it's like, oh, the one that had the red spear... Now that red spear is a huge deal. Um, like the, we've been playing Night Witches recently, and um, one of the duty stations you're assigned to has uh, a German fighter that's been attacking you, which is a big deal because this is a, for the time, modern German fighter versus your World War One uh, biplane bombers, right? Um, and. It becomes this big deal, even though you, uh, we could have all died. We, we managed to survive and only lose some NPCs. Like, it would have, this random plane that happens to shoot us down would have become a big deal and basically did. Uh, like, we, we spent an entire day, uh, like, a day is basically a session of play. Because um, you, you go bombing every night, you play during the day, or you, you do other stuff during the day, so you play through the day, and then the night actually plays out relatively quickly. We spent the better part of a day, uh, like, scrounging up a machine gun from the men's regiment, mounting it on a plane, figuring out who could fire the thing. Because of the threat. Because of the threat, and, like, because it's kind of like the Goblin with the Red Spear. The right. plane with the yellow tail, uh, we, we tried to come up with all these different names for him, but we stuck with the yellow tail. Um was a huge deal right. just because it was something that killed one of our other pilots. Right. Um, the like my character was marked by the experience. So Night Witches has this great thing where you pick up marks, uh, which are um, kind of advanced. Well, some of them are literally advancements that grant you a new move. But they're some changes of them are, to your character. They're changes to your character. Um, I really like them as a way of tracking a long term 
semi-harm. Most of them are of play. Well, and most of them are semi-negative. They're a nice slight downward spiral, but uh, a lot of them are negative in ways that are not about directly impairing your abilities. Um, So there are things like my character after the uh, Yellowtail killed uh, one of the other pilots. I don't think it was my co-pilot or my navigator. Um, Developed all of these uh, like nervous habits and routines that she had to do because she was sure that she could, you know, he always came out of the clouds in this direction. So you have to keep those clouds to your right and all this stuff. Like picked up all these habits. Um, That kind of stuff. Once you let death be, a uh, place to build on in the larger world sense. Um, and I think the ways you do that, you let death happen and you enjoy it. And then you pay attention to details and build on them and you build a world that already has multiple things going on. Uh, like the, the problem with a lot of character death for people who ask this question is that that death just meant that nothing interesting is happening in the world right. uh, to some degree. Like your character was the the wizard who is going to restore the order of wizards or whatever. And now it's not. Now it's not. If you don't build the world enough, I guess. Right. Uh, because in, you know, if that character really is restoring the order of wizards, like they've probably already taken an apprentice or something, right? Like what's their apprentice going to do? Uh, the person who killed them, uh, like you were the only person holding the magical power of this order. Like, so then what happens? Leak yeah. into somebody else? Like ask these questions, make the death, uh, keep on spiraling out into other things. So one of mine, my second is uh, to kind of embrace the inevitability. Uh, so uh, like dread. Mm-hmm. In dread, uh, I've never run a game of dread where everybody survives. Somebody's gonna die or, oh, or be removed from play. Um, and often in my games, everybody or almost everybody dies, and people love it because mm-hmm. you know, like the way that you build the game initially is you tell people when this tower falls you're going to be gone yep. and so everybody's ready for it you know like uh what we talked about a couple of uh a couple of episodes ago about knowing the ending of the story really improves your enjoyment knowing that people are going to die and it's going to happen relatively soon makes it much easier to accept oh you know i'm gone and then dread also gives you the choice like you mentioned which is well Either I can die and it's going to be horrible, or I'm going to die and it's going to be awesome. And that's an awesome choice in yep. Dread, because you know it's coming. Like, then you choose to go. Well, in uh, Dungeon Crawl Classics, with the funnel, uh, so Dungeon Crawl Classics has this thing where you start out as zero-level characters, and you start out with quite a few of them because they're going to die. Right. And the game flat-out says, like, the, the ones who manage to get through, through luck or strength or skill or whatever... Are gonna be the ones you're gonna play, so you're set up for death to be this this thing. Yeah, that was my number one DCC. Uh. Don't fear the Reaper. Like you've got a billion characters, you care about the ones that are surviving, but not so much that you mind when they die because mm-hmm. they will die. Um, and and as you get fewer and fewer characters, the ones that are left are more and more likely to make it. So it's not so bad. And then even if that one person dies. You're like that was a great run. Let's go do more things because you're kind of in. Uh, you're kind of numb to it at mm-hmm. that point, right? So those are kind of 
flip sides to the same thing. Like the accepting the inevitability and not fearing the Reaper are kind of one of them is a bit more looking forward to it, and mm-hmm. one of them is a bit more just kind of it's, being ready for it. Right. And there are two different ways that a game can approach it. Mm-hmm. Right. You can definitely build your game around the idea that all of your characters are going to die. The question is when and how they're all going to die. Uh, or you can build it around, well, it could happen, and here's a bunch of backups, mm-hmm. uh, which is, you know, even the paranoia approach, yep. similarly, right? You're going to die a lot. It's okay. Oh, man, paranoia could have deserved its own entry. So paranoia is this uh, great game that I'm going to have to look up when it was first made. It's been through many editions. There's, uh, it's also a Cold War remnant. Also a Cold War remnant uh, that recently kickstarted a new edition. Yep. Um, it's... Basically, a nine, depending on how straight you take it, it's a 1984-esque, but with lasers and computers. Uh, like You're in a domed city that is uh, run by a computer that is terrified of communists. Um, you are part of a troubleshooter squad that goes on missions for the computer. The, the official also... motto is that you're going to find trouble and shoot it. Yep. You're a um, troubleshooter. Paranoia has a really weird tone. It's a really awesome weird tone, but it's a weird tone. Uh, in Paranoia, there are there are security classifications which have colors, and you are not allowed to see anything above your color. But the entire book and kind of metagame is built around this. So you can't read the part of the book that's outside of your color. Like, you're not allowed. And if you tell... And the DM is like this all-powerful figure, and there's... You know, the DM can just tell you what happens. That, you know... Uh, there's no way that the players can get around the DM, and it's extremely explicit in Paranoia. So if you let off that that you happen to have read part of the DM section, the DM will kill you just mm-hmm. immediately, or they should anyways. Um, it, they've had books where it was played a lot more straight, but the ones that I've read are like, uh, don't play it that way. Play yeah. it play it crazy. I, I've always thought that the crazy is the, the way to do it. Um but the, just reaching, it's weird because most of the things, most of the uh, like media that I can think of that resembles it takes it much more straight. Right. Um, but the reason that this comes up with a th- uh, death is that it provides an approach basically from video games. Uh, you have clones that are just sitting in a six pack. <laughs> They're called a six pack <laughs> of clones. And when you die, a new one pops out. Um, and it's identical. Like it's it's totally D and D trope. Uh, this is this is Fred. Uh, brother of Ned in exactly the same in all ways and inherited all of Ned's stuff. Yep. Yeah, Knows so all the same skills. Exactly. Like, it, that's one way to deal with death is just to find in, in-game in ways to say, oh, you know, this will be the next uh, the next character. They'll have the exact same things. Um, Free Market does the same thing, but slightly more elegantly, partially because it's not quite as wacky. Uh, but th- it has this entire setup where, like, your brain is backed up and uh, there are different types of death based on how you die, but unless it's, like, a perfect death, you basically wake up in a new body not sure. too much later with maybe a few missing memories, and that's about it. Right. So that that's one way around it as well. That wasn't even on my list, but you uh, deal with death by making a game where death doesn't matter. Um, and I think the best games, uh, and Paranoia and Free Market both do this to a degree... Once death doesn't matter, you, you have to ask a lot of questions. Like, if you just take D&D and make death not matter, you've kind of... Uh, in, unless you're... You have to find other consequences. You have to start doing the Mass Effect thing that I was thinking, talking about earlier. Well, that's uh, the thing about, about video games, right? Is that a lot of, of 
you know, D&D-inspired RPGs on the computer can't make Death Matter the same way, unless you're playing, like, a roguelike. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the way that Death Matters in those games is, well, I have to do that again. Yep. And that's honestly a pretty horrible game design decision, um, which is why I like roguelikes. But, uh, but yeah. It's, it, it's a really frustrating thing in, in video games when the, uh, like, the... I used Mass Effect as an example earlier of how you could do 4th edition fights, but really I was actually talking more about the decision trees in Mass Effect. Like, this is the thing that I always wanted Mass Effect to do, where a fight was actually a decision point. Right. So if you, you know, if you failed to keep the geth from taking the command point or whatever, instead of it being game over, retry, or, you know, you die along, you you lose all your hit points along the way, uh, instead it goes to a cutscene of like the geth overrun it and somebody drags you off and the that was a decision point and right. the decision was made through your your play um there's this great playstation 3 game called heavy rain that uh had it was there was no ability to reload prior saves um it was a game where you had to do certain things and if you didn't accomplish them the game just said okay, your character didn't accomplish that. And you played through multiple characters and different scenarios and stuff, and you could die. It was it was kind of like the Telltale games in that, uh, you know, it was a lot of decisions and a few action scenes. But unlike the Telltale games, uh, if you got to an action scene and you screwed up, it would actually just hurt your character or kill them. Like, my playthrough, I only played through it once because I feel like it was a game where to play through it again is... It makes it more puzzly. It makes it more puzzly. Now you're just exploring the space of the story. Right. Whereas the first thing, uh, it felt like the story that I earned. Um, and that included some people dying. Yeah. And yeah, and it's the... Uh, that actually builds on a lot of things that we've mentioned so far. You you have a world moving, you have multiple characters you can fall back on, and you have Death Matter, which was the interesting thing. Like, the fact that I had some of these characters die, uh, it's a mystery game and all that, and it meant that... Um, in particular, one character ended up not being able to kill the murderer. I'm pretty sure they would have been able to otherwise. Uh, so we've got we've got the um, make death matter a lot. We've got the make death matter not at all, and we have the have the player figure it out. Yep. And then I have one more. Um, so this one is an element of uh, Dungeon Call Classics and Dungeon World. Um, you make death a quest. Uh, so. In Dungeon Crawl Classics, it flat out says there is no resurrection magic. If a player wants to do that, give him a quest. In Dungeon World, there's a resurrection spell that basically... (laughs) It's kind of a cheat. Uh, There's a reason it's on the cleric spell list, not the wizards, uh, which is not just the fact that that's traditionally the way D&D did it. Because the spell basically says the GM will tell you some things you have to do to resurrect this person. It's ritual. It it is basically the wizard's ritual move. And the funny thing is that uh, because... Most people play it with D&D tropes. The wizard doesn't think of resurrecting with ritual, but the cleric will do it with a spell. And such a situation spell, and it's something... I mean, the way Dungeon World works, you really could tell the GM, like, hey, does my character know of a way to resurrect them? And the GM, if they're going by the book, would probably tell you something along the lines of, like, well... You would have to do this and this and this. You know, you might go consult those wizards, they might know more, which is basically what the resurrection spell does, which is why it's on the cleric list, because the cleric didn't have to waste a choice to permanently get that. They just had to repair it for... One casting. You you need to play you need to play with new people more often. Like yeah. people totally new to RPGs. Did I ever tell you about the uh, the lich ritual? Oh no! When you play with new people, you do totally get the rituals where it's like, so I 
can I just make myself immortal? Mm, yeah. Yeah, the paladin kills. So, so what was the lich ritual? Uh, this is uh, first game. A uh, bunch of new people hardly ever played any RPGs before, um, and they're going into some temple, and it's totally awesome. And they find this place of power, and I go, "So, wizard, this is a big place of power." And so the wizard's looking over their character sheet, uh, and we're looking around, and stuff is happening. And the wizard goes, "So, I can do whatever, right?" And I'm like. Yeah, that's that's how that thing works. I just have to tell you what happens. And he he goes, well, can I make myself immortal, like lich style D and D immortal? And I'm like, oh yeah, it's gonna take you this and this and this and this and this, and you can do it here. And he's like, okay. So they get started on that, and the paladin goes, so that's probably not very nice, right? And I'm like, yeah, you you're not you don't have feel very good about this, I don't think. He's like, yeah, liches are generally evil, right? And all the other players are like, yeah. Paladin's like, well, I I really don't like that. And <laughs> I I'm really like, don't like evil guys. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> no, you probably don't. And I mean, this is all on this is all on uh, video conference. We're all playing over Hangouts, and so the the wizard hears all of this stuff, and and the the paladin goes, I'm I'm gonna go over and kill him, and I go. Okay, wizard, are you going to do anything? And he's like, he's not really going to kill me. And the paladin goes, nope, I'm going to kill you. And I'm like, wizard, you're dead. Because <laughs> he wasn't—he was casting a ritual. He was all just totally built into this thing. Uh, I totally would have tried to move there. But anyway, I no, won't no, no, it was amazing. It happened. We last breath, and they thought it was the best session of any RPG ever. <laughs> uh, but they wanted to do a totally different game next. A totally different uh, group of characters and. Mm-hmm. Man, it was insane. So yeah, the if you death matters, making death into a quest. So somebody dies, and the first thing you say, like if none of these other things have happened, they didn't have a way to save themselves. It doesn't like the character or the player isn't quite bought in on like this is an interesting thing that happened. Right. Um, instead of just kind of rewinding or giving them an out or something, you say. Well, okay, let's. How can we bring your character back? And so, this is definitely more applicable to some settings than others. What does that player do during that time, though? That's the weirdest thing about resurrection magic to me, especially mm-hmm. if you make it, this is going to take some time. If that player creates a character, well, what do you do with that character post resurrection? If that character takes over an NPC, well, where was that NPC in before, and what do we do with them afterwards? And if the character doesn't do either of those things, well, life is pretty bad for them. Right? Well, so there's a few options, um, and it depends on which game you're playing and how you want to implement this. Like, I, if I this is one of those toolkit things that you can kind of apply to any game, and it makes more sense in some games than others. Right. Um, so, if there are NPCs around, like you mentioned that one, you know, where did this NPC come from? But depending on your game, there may actually be an NPC who you can really easily be like, oh yeah, like I'll play that guy for a while, no big deal. Um, you could, uh, depending on the group of people you're playing with and how you're playing, maybe that character, or that player just wants to sit out like a session or two. Like, depending on if this is a big meetup, this is the time you see your friends every week, everybody wants to be there, then that's not going to work. But if this is like a lunchtime thing at work and somebody's like, eh, I'll, I'll do something else for a couple of weeks, sure. go for it, then you don't always have to have every player for everything. The other way to do it, um, depending, uh, it's a bit harder to do this in DCC, well, it gives you a bit less of a prompt to do this. But you tell the players, you know, you would have to do these things. 
and then you fast forward and assume that all those things happen, but those are always things with repercussions. Sure, like sure, sure. You would the have world to, is going to be affected in these ways. Exactly. You, you would have to steal the diamond from the... I'm thinking of the <laughs> player's handbook cover. You'd have to steal the the, eye, the ruby from the eye of the temple thing, Idol, the kobolds yeah. or whatever. Um, you'd need a <laughs> blessing from one of the high priests... Uh, and you need whatever, whatever. You, you tell them all the things that they're going to need to resurrect this person. Right. Um, and then you, uh, through whatever means you're most interested in, determine what the side effects of those have had. So um, if this was the middle of a session and you really want to zip through it, I would just tell them, like, uh, you know, all who that does stuff each, okay? Yeah. Yeah, all, if all those are okay, and then here are the side effects that it's going to have. Let's fast forward a few months. You've done all that stuff. Now the kobolds are attacking the town because they know somebody stole it, et cetera, et cetera. Um, or if this was like the end of a session, we're going to be back next week, I might uh, do the kind of love letter moves that Apocalypse World has, um, where, you know, in the past month you have stolen, you're the thief, you've stolen the eye from the idol, from the kobolds, uh, roll your decks and choose based on how you roll, you know, maybe, and there's always going to be some consequence, but it's how good or bad those consequences are. Um, th this is one thing that RPGs have a lot of that people don't always take advantage of, the ability to zoom in and zoom out. Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, for, for death, uh, if a player really wants to get back in with the same character, um, and a, the setting kind of supports it, like it's a lot tougher to do this if you're playing like the Dallas soap opera role-playing game, um, you, you just fast-forward over it and build some consequences and keep the world moving. What do you think about GM rotation? So this would be, uh, my character dies, and I'm going to take over GM role for a while, and the GM will create their own character and join the party some other how. Uh, I mean, if, if everybody's up for it, I love it. Um, I, I think the one downside to assuming it is that some people don't want a DM. Uh, and, and gaming as a hobby, we build up the DM role so much, and... I mean, it's great, like, DMs are awesome, it's important to have somebody run the game, but it it's not the, like, not everybody has to want to aspire to be a DM. They affect the tone a ton of the game, uh, in, they affect the tone a lot across the game, too, so uh, switching DMs in the middle of a game, yeah. if it's not a really good kind of transitional point, the game is going to shift in tone and that might just be really jarring. So Night Witches does this really well. Oh, yeah. um, it, it mentions so the way Night Witches work. You're this all female bomber regiment in World War II, flying World War One planes because you're Russian. Um, not that all Russians flew World War One <laughs> planes, but because you're <laughs> Russian <laughs> women, you you are. There were several. Uh, you're at the bottom of the totem pole. Well, there were several groups. I'm, I forget what the regiments or divisions or whatever. I, I do not know my military terminology, but uh, groups of women pilots. Um, and in Night Witches, you're playing the ones who got the worst stuff. They're the the 588th Night Bomber Regiment. And uh, like in our game, we just had somebody from the 586th who are the cool fighter pilots, female fighter pilots, show up at our airbase. And everybody's just like, what, you, you have a modern plane? <laughs> what is this? Um but anyway, in that one, uh, you, you are stationed at different duty stations, which are all historical, um, and when you move between them, the game encourages you to rotate GMs, cool. which works really well because then each duty station ends up feeling different because, right. like you said, each GM is going to change 
the tone, but since this is, uh, you know, a different place and a different set of mission... It's already transitioning. It, it's kind of a good idea. I'm really yeah. looking forward to it. We're, we're still... Um, we're at technically the second duty station, uh, because the first one is basically training. It does sure. the kind of uh, first session. You, you've kind of finished building your character through playing your first station. Um, but yeah, the rotating GMs is an awesome idea. Cool. What would you do about a TPK? Uh, I mean, some people listen to this who aren't going to know the abbreviation. A total party kill. Yes. Everybody dies. Everybody dies. Um, Rocks fall. I, I've been talking a lot. What would you do about it? I think, I think, I think you end... I think in most games that we've been talking about, you probably end. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if we're talking long-form campaign and you are a ways into it, you almost certainly end. Uh, if we're talking long form campaign and it, it just started today, I, I probably would reboot. Uh, yeah, it really depends on your game. Like some games are built to intentionally TPK, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but say you're playing, if you're playing Apocalypse World, I don't know. I'm trying to figure out a scenario in which you would TPK, like D- <laughs> DCC. DCC, well, the, the problem is that you're given so much of an opportunity to avoid further repercussions in, in, in a lot of these games. I mean, uh, talking about uh, Burning Wheel, where you already have the option to try and not die, mm-hmm. uh, and all of this other kind of stuff. I think, I think in the games where you are most likely to TPK on accident, um, it's just good to end it and talk about epilogue. I tend to, I mean, I, I think ending it is Good. I think the other option is, um, depending on how you've built things, uh, you roll up new characters in the same world and take a, a different angle on it. Um, sure. And the world is still there because we've built up all of this setting. Exactly. Uh, like the This is an interesting thing that's developed in RPG culture where we think of a game as the same set of characters uh, following through one kind of through line. Um, which, which is a reasonable definition. I don't have a problem with it, but there's lots of opportunities to mess with that. Uh, first of all, like it already kind of has the Ship of Theseus thing where like you die off one by one, and by the end of the game, you've got an entirely different set of characters, but it, you still think of it as the same game because at any given point, you know, there's a thread of continuity. Totally. Um, but if the game becomes... Uh, in a larger sense about kind of this iteration of this world, then you have a lot of opportunities to say, uh, you know, we are characters who were um, robbing the tool, the tomb of the flaming skull uh, all died, but we know that we accidentally let out a bunch of evil stuff. Somebody's got to be dealing with that. Let's go play the, those guys. Right. And the, the typical nomenclature, you'd call that kind of a new game, but... But it's in the same place. It's, it's effectively the same world. It's effectively the same game. Uh, and it's kind of, can you sell your player... Well, does that work for everybody? I was going to say sell right. your players, but that makes it sound like you're trying to con them into it or something. <laughs> if everybody's cool with that, if everybody still feels like it's the same game, then it's the same game. So I think in the end, our comments on death are, don't ignore it. Like... You need to pay attention to this aspect of your game, just period. Mm-hmm. Either either make it matter, or make it absolutely not matter, or make the players decide. But have somebody decide and think about it. Because if nobody thinks about it, it's going to happen, and everybody's just going to get blindsided and very unhappy. Yeah. Well, and the discussion, it's one of those things that you kind of have to discuss, but you can 
get around it by discussing other things. Sure, um, related. Yeah, th- this is a thing that comes up a lot uh, when giving GM advice. You kind of say, like, oh, talk to your players about it. But then I don't want to, like, sit down with my players. <laughs> sit down with your players. Okay, so, so you've all built we... characters. Now, when you die, what are we going to do? Or, or even more vague, like, how do you feel about death in this game? <laughs> like, I don't want to have that discussion. So this is our first of... combat's going to be against a great old worm. This is part of why different gaming systems are so useful because they help us set expectations. Yeah. When we sit down to play Fate, the fact that the book talks about, you know, death is something that really only you get to if everybody agrees on it. Right. By saying, I want to play Fate and not mentioning that I want to modify that, I've basically said that. If we play DCC, I've said... Death is totally on the table, guys. But you can probably get resurrection if you really want it. Right. Like, all, setting all those things up through discussing the game you want to play as opposed to having the, like, how do you feel about this discussion is the way I like to do it. Because it it just feels so much simpler. I don't want to talk about how I feel about things. I just want to say, there's this really cool game where you're going to die. Or you're not going to die. Or whatever. But at, in that, the very least, pay attention to it. Pay attention do, to it. Do something. Discuss make, make it sure through it, some means. Yeah, make sure that there's a way to deal with it. And then, uh, you know, think about ruling it out or agreeing on it. Think about using it as, like, a gift. I like to think of it as, like, the, the biggest gift of plot that you could ever want. Mm-hmm. Uh, and think about it as a quest. Yeah, remember, it does not end your game. It definitely does not. Uh, in fact, actually, I would argue that death is a great way to start a game. It's tough, it's tough to do that with a player character. Right. But, because uh, you just made your character, and then you're dead. <laughs> uh, but, like, death... <laughs> Everybody roll a d20. Low roll dies. <laughs> this is actually how uh, Undying, uh, which is a forthcoming game by Paul Riddle, um, works. Uh, at the start of the game, the GM through it, I don't know which way he's going to describe it in the final rules, but in several of the versions we played, you basically have uh, you know written out all of the vampires in your area who are mm-hmm. all in kind of a power structure and then the GM drops something onto where all those are written and whoever it lands on just died <laughs> and that power vacuum is how you start playing awesome uh, and so yeah it, that isn't dealing with player death but it's dealing it's a, with death it's dealing with death and uh, player character death not player death and it, if something happens in the role of play it's kind of the same thing it just happens to be a player character run with it awesome cool So until next time when we ask another question.